You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm talking with Sterling Backus, who, if you don't know who he is, he recently did a commercial with Lamborghini about what it was like building a Lamborghini Aventador from 3D printing. And if you haven't watched the commercial yet, I highly recommend you just pause this podcast right now and search up a true Christmas story for Lamborghini's real lovers. Just search it up on YouTube and watch the advertisement. It's really quick and it'll give you a lot of background about what this project is about and who I'm interviewing. This episode is going to be a bit different. I'm going to break it up into two separate parts. One part being the actual project and the significance of the project itself. And the next part will be about what it's like working as a physicist and working in the field of science. So now that you have hopefully finished watching that commercial and have come back, without further ado, here is my interview with Sterling Backus, who created a Lamborghini Aventador from 3D printing and made a commercial with the Lamborghini company. Today, my guest is going to be a really interesting person. I saw a commercial online about what he's been doing, uh, and he can talk a little bit more about that and just what it's like working in the field of science and I don't want to take up too much more of the intro. I want him to speak more about it. So what is your name and what are you doing and who are you? What's your story? Um, it's uh, Sterling Backus. Um, I'm a PhD laser physicist. Um, I work for a company in uh, out of Newton, New Jersey. I'm actually local, local, located in uh, Colorado. Um, I design uh, lasers for a living. Uh, typically lasers that go into national labs, universities, um, and some technology that actually gets into the pedestrian sector for ophthalmology. So that's basically what I do for a living. That's what I've been doing for, oh, it's been about 30 years now. Uh, and uh, consequently, I'm also a gearhead. So I love cars. I love going to car shows and I love... Uh, building cars. Um, my last project was a 69 Mustang uh, that uh, my son Xander, who uh, has helped me on the project we're going to talk about, uh, helped me on that project as well. And then I also have two daughters, which uh, have helped on uh, both projects. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I started a project to build a Lamborghini Aventador when uh, my son and I were playing Forza Horizon 3. And if you don't know what that is, it's a uh, racing game on Xbox. And we'd always jump in the Aventador because I've loved Lamborghinis ever since I was his age. Um, I had a Lamborghini Countach on my uh, poster on my wall. Um, I've loved every generation of the flagship uh, Lamborghinis that uh, come out. And uh, he uh, asked if maybe we could do that. And I was looking for an excuse to build a supercar. So <laughs> we, uh, mm-hmm. we went ahead and I, I told him, yes, we could do that. And uh, that's when the project started. So, yeah, can you describe more about what your project is and, you know, what happened 
afterwards. Sure. So the 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 project was going to be kind of a. Uh, it wasn't going to be as exciting as it's been. Um, it was going to be a standard coach build where we build a frame and then we uh, pound some metal and try to shape some panels and you know get parts from a junkyard and try to you know uh, try to mesh them all together in some sort of uh, Frankenstein vehicle that you know looks like uh, a Lamborghini Aventador. Then the project took a major turn when uh, we were kind of discussing how we were going to do the body of the car. And I had been into 3D printing maybe about seven or eight years ago. And it was kind of cute. It was like, you know, for making figurines and and ways and RC car parts and stuff like that. So it really wasn't all that big. Um, And, you know, the, the printers at the time were, you know, they were okay. They weren't very good. Um, and a lot of them were, you know, you'd something you'd have to assemble yourself. But mm. nowadays that type of printing has really made leaps and bounds in its technology. And you can go to Amazon and buy one of these printers for a few hundred bucks. So that's when we decided, Hey, well, in order to get the shapes of the car, right, what do we need? We need a model, uh, a digital model of the car. We need a program that we can pull that model into. And we need a program that we can actually uh, manipulate that model so that we can design kind of our own flair uh, to, the, to the project. You know, So mm-hmm. if you were to compare this vehicle with uh, another Lamborghini Aventador, it wouldn't look quite right because uh, some of the things are different. Mm-hmm. So we were going to use 3D printing. Uh, the next step was we had to build a frame. So we started to construct a frame out of steel. Uh, it's kind of a standard, what we call ladder frame, and uh, is all uh, gusseted and triangulated so it makes it nice and strong. Uh, we sourced an engine from uh, a Corvette, a 2003 Corvette that uh, was in a junkyard in Iowa. Um, And then we uh, sourced a transaxle from a 911 Porsche. And it turns out there's a company that actually makes a kit to put the two together. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was was important when we were sourcing some of these parts. So back to the 3D printing, now we had to make the body panels. And so what we would do is on our desktop printer, using our, uh, you know, our, our CAD program, we would slice the panels up into small sections that would fit on the printer. Because the printer has a very limited volume over which it can print. And uh, mm-hmm. it's about 300 by 300 by 300 millimeters. So that's kind of the constraint that you have in printing a single piece. So we chop the panel up into those size pieces. We'd print out each piece. It'd take about a week to print all the pieces for a single panel. Mm-hmm. Then butt join those 3D prints together, glued them together. And then that made us a whole panel. And we just kept wow. repeating the process until we got enough panels to cover the car. And then we stepped back and said, wow, that looks really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Surprisingly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then came the next problem. So the next problem is, is that we were using polylactic acid as our 3D printing medium. Polylactic acid softens at about uh, 55 centigrade. So if we put it out here, especially in the Colorado sun, um, our poor car was going to basically be a frame with a pile of goo on the ground, mm. which would have been our body. <laughs> so we had to come up with a way of you know, strengthening the, the 3D printing. And that's when we uh, saw some videos on YouTube about people who were using it to skin 3D parts. Um, and we figured, well, instead of just skinning the part, why don't we just encapsulate the, the plastic and, and let the carbon fiber uh, be the structure of the panel? And so we failed quite a bit, um, probably at least three to four times uh, doing this process. And the process we used was it's called vacuum infusion. So we take the part, we cover it, we spray it down with adhesive, we cover it in carbon fiber fabric three layers on each side. We put that into a, a vacuum bag and there's some mold release and some other stuff um, on the part. And then we pull a vacuum so that the atmospheric pressure can actually crush down the layers um, and make them all nice and tight together. Um, I crushed uh, two or three parts that way um, because at 15 pounds per square inch, roughly, which is atmospheric pressure, it's a little lower up here, it's about 12. But um, at any rate, it's it's pretty it's pretty powerful, and so we had some voids and things like that, and the part just got crushed, mm. and so now we have to three D print a whole new panel. And wow. so we went through this process a number of times. I probably printed four bumpers before I got it right, um, and we finally figured out how to do it and encapsulate the parts. So now all the panels we have on the car are encapsulated in carbon fiber. It, it was really interesting just hearing the process of how this was made. And I think that you do have to have like some kind of knowledge in the sciences or a background in this industry. So I just wanted to go from the very beginning and ask about the sciences and if you always knew from an early age that you wanted to do projects and you wanted to work in this industry from an early age? You know, a absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I had a pretty uh -huh. tumultuous uh, uh, upbringing. Um, I joined the Army when I was 17 years old. Um, I hmm. do anything that fancy in the Army. I was actually uh, uh, infantry. So I was just a foot soldier. Um, I did that for six years, and then I went uh, to trade school um, mm. and got a degree in drafting. So I was a drafter for um, a couple wow. of years after I got out of the Army. And then um, when I was a drafter, I saw what the electrical engineers were doing, and I thought, you know, that's really interesting. And that looked like a lot of fun. That looks like it'd be a good job. But I didn't have the education to, to be able to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's when I decided to go back to college. And wow. as I, uh, uh, when I, when I started college, I did very poorly. Um, I think my GPA won the first semester was 
0.96 and mm, wow. 0.69 and then I was kicked out. Wow. <laughs> wow. But I didn't let it get me down. Um, and after a while I, I went back and I tried again. And uh, this time I, you know, really applied myself. It, 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 and that was mm-hmm. it, that was the big step was saying, you know, I really want to learn this stuff. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. work really hard to do that. Now, if I had come out of high school and went uh, straight into the university or college system, it probably would have been a lot easier on me. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, this is just the way things shook out and, and, what I was going to do with my life. And so, mm. uh, I went back to a uh, community college. Um, I had to make the Dean's list, uh, every semester I was there for two years to, in order to compensate for the lousy start I had because mm-hmm. the record. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, once I graduated from junior college, I went, uh, to university. I went to Washington state university and I actually got recruited by the physics department. So I was looking at engineering and I was looking at physics and engineering was very uh, competitive at the time. And my grades were not going to do me any favors there. The physics department, however, was uh, in a position where they needed students. So, um, so I joined the physics department. And then uh, finished my bachelor's degree and then decided I was going to go on and go to graduate school and uh, got my Ph.D. in 1996. Wow. And I know about your passion for wanting to teach other people about this industry. And I know that you wanted to take the car out to some schools nearby and just show what it's like building it and try to spread some more knowledge about sciences and engineering to the younger audience. So I wanted to go back to the project and I was wondering, uh, are there like any updates? Is it almost done? It's actually about driving their passion. And and that mm-hmm. that's why we picked this particular pro- project. So I was wondering, are there like any updates to the car? Is it finished or... Where are you at in the process right now? Well, as a car guy, we never finish. <laughs> <laughs> what what will be important is a term called roadworthiness. Mm-hmm. So it runs and drives right now. Oh wow! Um, but we could not like take it to a school mm-hmm. because in in that case it has to be roadworthy. It has to have seat belts and a w- windshield and all of these other kind of things that you know a normal car has. Um, so that's what we're working on, giving it an oh, interior, wow. doing all the electrical, that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. that we can get it to the point where it's roadworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal is to take it to a car show here in Colorado in August, mm-hmm. and I would like to drive it there rather than trailer it there. Wow. So that's what we're kind of shooting for. Now, problems crop up and yeah. life gets in the way and my kids get sick yeah. and you know the house falls apart and yep. <laughs> gotta concentrate on those yeah. for a while for sure. so yeah so a- again it's it's a it's a project it's a hobby mm-hmm. it's not a main focus but we're hoping to be able to use this hobby to to drive kids passion mm-hmm. into the sciences wow that's great in engineering and even art i mean that's mm-hmm. that's the reason why 
you know, you see a supercar and you like, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. The art speaking to you, not the, uh, not the mechanics, not until you hear the engine. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask about how Lamborghini found out about what you guys were doing and what that process was like shooting an advertisement and, you know, that whole time period. What was that like? Um, you know, that was a, that was a lot like finding a new element. I mean, it was, it was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I said, I've been passionate about that brand for, uh, the Lamborghini brand since I was a child and to actually talk to their chief marketing officer on the phone, it was, yeah. you, you know, I, I make the metaphor all the time that it was like the Pope just called and he's coming over for dinner, <laughs> you know? So it, it and for a lot of people, that would be pretty darn epic. Yep. So, yeah. So for me, it was, it was, you know, in my career, I, I run conferences and things like that. And I talked to a lot of Nobel laureates, you know, mm-hmm. so wow. folks with Nobel prizes and, and so on and so forth. And I'm never nervous around them. But when I got this phone call from Lamborghini, I was shaken. Wow. I was really shaking. That, um, you know, first of all, I was hoping they weren't going to sue me, <laughs> um, but they had they had uh, other ideas in mind. They they wanted to highlight the project. Um, so I, I talked to their uh, chief marketing officer, Katia Bassi, uh, absolutely wonderful person. Um, she's just a, a, an amazing person to talk to. Um, and she asked if we were willing to do a project with them and. You know, what do you say to Lamborghini? You got to say yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's Lamborghini. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, of course, I said yes. And then she told me that they were going to uh, let it loan us an Aventador for a couple of weeks to enjoy over Christmas. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was for that long. Yeah. And she she heard static for probably about 10 seconds. (laughs) I just didn't know what to say. It was just so amazing. So, yeah, so it was, and then they flew 25 people out from Italy. Um, they hired a production company. They came out. Um, it was a whole big to-do. Uh, but we kind of, we had to keep it secret. Mm-hmm. So my son could not know what was going on. Oh, wow. And so we kept it secret. And then, um, so when you see, have you seen the video? Yeah, I have. So when you see the video and you see his expression on his face yeah. when the garage door opens, that's legitimate. That's legitimate. Wow. Yeah. So he had no idea what was going on or who was here. He just thought it was another interview. I mean, uh, you think at that interview number twenty-seven, uh, right? Now this was a bigger crew, so and he's not stupid, <laughs> but who it was. Until that garage door opened. Then he figured it out. Wow. So that was pretty amazing. And then uh, after the shoot, they uh, left the car with us. Wow. And I got to say, I was somewhat skeptical on having 30 strangers in my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we made a ton of friends. Mm. Uh, it wasn't in the bunch. Mm-hmm. They were all just amazing people. So that was probably one of the biggest things that we got to take away 
with us is the fact that we made so many new friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously the Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that one too. So do you think that this project is driving a passion for your son and he wants to get into this industry when he grows up? You know, my, my son, uh, he was talking to uh, the uh, owner of the video company that was doing the shoot. And he told, he, he told the, the guy, he says, you know, I love my dad and I love what he does, but my life's going to take a different direction. Oh, wow. I think for me, that is probably the best thing I could ever hear. Uh-huh. You know, that, yes, he's interested. He likes what we're doing, but he likes computers. He likes cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. He likes he has a passion for that. Mm-hmm. And so, he, you know, as he said, his life's going to take a different direction. And I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so it's my job now to encourage him and and to, you know, feed that passion that he's that he started. Mm-hmm. And I think with any parent, that's what's really important. If, if you see a passion in your child, stoke that fire. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going to make them successful. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.